So we do everything from orders to inventory to purchase orders to profitability. So we unify everything so that actually you can take actionable decisions in your business. And then on top of that, I have my e-commerce business still. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today we have Chad Rubin, who is the CEO and co-founder of Scubana, which is based in New York, and it manages all back-end e-commerce operations in one place, including order processing, a bunch of other stuff that I'm just going to let Chad talk about. Chad, how's it going? Hey, Eric, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. It's going well here in New York. It's a beautiful day. Good, man. Good. And I'll, I'll be there soon to join you in a couple months or so, but... Give us a little bit about your your background, kind of a little bit on on who you are and what your story is. Sure. Uh, so I've been in e-commerce for over a decade. I actually, so my I, I grew up my parents' vacuum store, believe it or not. So I don't know when the last time you ever been to a vacuum store was, but never we start we struggled with with me growing up, barely paid our bills, and so I was like, okay, I never want to be an entrepreneur, and I surely never want to be anywhere near the vacuum cleaner industry. So I was first generation. I went on to UMass Amherst. I studied finance. And while I was on the street, I was covering internet stocks. So I would tell my parents, this is like when Al Gore invented the internet. I would tell my parents, hey, you guys need to be on the internet. You should have a website. You should be selling across all these channels. And they were like, oh, we don't know anything about this. So I started to actually do this. It was like my my side hustle. I started to help them build the site online. And it started to do really well. And then I got let go uh, during the Great Recession of Wall Street and came out of it. I took some Obama retraining programs learned some coding, learned some designer skills, and then I started a direct-to-consumer vacuum company called Crucial Vacuum. So we started manufacturing all types of vacuum filters, vacuum belts, vacuum badge, selling direct-to-consumer. And of course, we picked a name that wasn't broad enough to allow us to grow because we disrupted that industry so quickly. And so we started moving into air purification and all these other home appliance parts for the home. And then finally, I started selling on 20 different channels. And I was like, okay, this is a nightmare to manage. How do I manage this? How do I manage an omni-channel presence? And then we started Scubana. Great. Okay. That's the abridged version with a lot of ups and downs. Yeah. I, I, well, we'll talk about some of the, the, the ups, and downs, ups and downs in a little bit. But present-day Scubana, it's, it's not even just Scubana, right? You're actually running two businesses. So, so can you speak to that for a second? Yeah. So we run Scubana, which is an operation platform to run and automate your business. So we do everything from orders to inventory to purchase orders to profitability. So we unify everything so that actually you can take actionable decisions in your business. And then on top of that, I have my e-commerce business still. Crucial Vacuum. And both, yep. Well, it's called Think Crucial now. So taking on a new name, which is anything you can think of that's crucial in the home, we replace. So we make air filters, coffee filters, vacuum filters, pool filters, spa filters, car, car filters, you name it. And you said a little earlier, I mean, you said you, you, you never wanted to become an entrepreneur, never wanted to get back into the vacuum business. So what, what happened? Why, why vacuums again? So I just took a little bit about what I knew and sprinkled that in with e-commerce. I had to really pay the bills when I got let, let go of Wall Street. I lived in the city on the Upper West Side, 
and I needed to pay the bills. And I took some like very early clients to do like to build out their website and to design it. And I was like, okay, this is totally not for me. But meanwhile, all this other stuff was working for me. All the selling, buying low, selling high just worked for me. Right. And so I just doubled down on it. And this was before direct to consumer was like the in cool thing to do. Like not a lot of people were doing D to C back, back when we were doing it. Got it. Okay. And kind of uh, collective revenues. I'm, I'm looking at some of the numbers here, uh, 2019 to 2013, at least. Well, there's there's a year where you did 5.1 uh, in 5.1 million in revenue. I guess collective revenues right now. What can you speak to? What can you share around um, around the businesses? I mean, collectively, it's eight figures. In fact, it, it's easily, yeah. They're they're both doing great. Uh, the e-commerce business has one employee, so it's not just about for me. It's not just about what we make, but it's about what we keep, right? Yeah. So so my e-commerce business, we have one employee in the United States full time. Everything else is remote and outsourced. We use technology to automate repetitive, low-value tasks, and then we fill in those gaps with remote em- employees who pretty much solve our weaknesses. Whatever we're not good at, we like to outsource those tasks and to have them be uh, done more efficiently and, and a lot cheaper. Yeah, and you, you talked about this during uh, – so one of the masterminds that I'm in, you actually came and flew in, flew in to, to Mexico, and you, you talked about how you're able to, to build this, um, this outsource team, right? I think we can kind of talk about that in a second. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. So I, I guess also at the same time, I mean, I mean, how is it that you got, I think that's an interesting story, right? You have this e-commerce site that's doing seven figures a year, you know, and, and what does that one employee do for you right now? That one employee is really COO and we, we brought, you know, she was started at the bottom and now she's here where she started off as like a graphic, a graphic artist and moved all the way up, but she's pretty much managing the entire remote team and working on higher value activities. Okay. And is she, is she, um, is she offshore? Is she in the U S no, she's in the U S she comes to New York and New Jersey. We have two different offices. Got it. Okay. And really my, my prerogative with her was like, you need to delegate and elevate. So initially she was scared because we had a lot of employees back in the day. We had a warehouse, we outsourced the warehouse. We had all these people in house doing marketing. We outsourced all that marketing. And so she was nervous. She's like, okay, am I next? What's going to happen? I'm like, no, you need to delegate and elevate. You need to manage this whole process and be the quarterback on it. Right. Okay. So we use, we use Basecamp. Go ahead. We use Basecamp on the e-commerce side to manage the the entire the whole team. Okay. That makes sense. And, and so uh, when you, I guess when you're making all these kind of, when you're outsourcing things, uh, manufacturing or not manufacturing, but you know, warehousing, after you made all the cuts, I mean, approximately how much savings were you getting uh, to the bottom line? So it, so there's the tangible and there's the intangible. So it's hard to actually put a, a solid number on it, right? So like when we had our own warehouse, we had a mistake and return level of about 10% together collectively. Yep. So 10% of all orders were either returned or a mistake. And so we started solving those issues once we actually started getting better packaging, getting things out more efficiently. I wasn't unloading containers anymore. So like my time is invaluable. Uh, you can't get that back. It's a finite resource. I'm trying to think like what else our customer support messages started going down dramatically. So there's all these other intangibles. Once you started, once you start outsourcing all these weaknesses and I had no business running a warehouse on the East coast. Got it. Okay. And when I think about, I mean, your, your COO, uh, it's, it's, you know, coming from a, you started from the bottom and then now she's here, you know, that journey going up there, are there going from designer to COO? Is there are there any you know trainings that you put her through? Any groups that you had her join? I'm just wondering, like you know, anything that you might have kind of um, you know paid for her to kind of level up. So she's raw talent that just needed to be cultivated. I did I did put her through Landmark, 
and I did hire a business coach. Well, my business coach that I use, I essentially had her working directly with him during this period. Got it. And what's Landmark? Landmark is just, it's an, it's an interesting organization. It's not, it's definitely not for everybody, but I, Lululemon puts everyone through it. You sort of do some self-reflection and it's self-discovery and sort of see it's personal and professional growth. You see how you're getting in your own way. Interesting. How does it, so, so is it for like a a year, a couple months, like what kind of engagement does that look like? I actually want to look at that now. It's so it's, Again, it's not for everybody. And you can talk to all these different people. Everyone has mixed opinions about it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Uh-huh. And so she was going through some personal things. I thought it would be great for her to, to work on those issues together. Uh-huh. Uh, so this, the thing I put her through is a weekend. It's a Friday, Saturday, all day, Sunday. Okay. And approximate costs around that? I want to say it was like maybe $1,000. Well, that's not bad at all. It's yeah. not even expensive. It's not expensive. No, it's not bad at all. I think it just depends. It's Lululemon uses it. Uh, a lot of people in EO... Uh, Entrepreneur organization, which is one of the organizations that I'm in, I think you're in it as well. Yep. Right. Yep. They also there's a lot of people have went through it in EO. Cool, man. That's awesome. So, so I always learn so much on these podcasts. All these like random little things that that make a world of difference. You never know. So, you know, Crucial Vacuum is now named. You said Think Vacuum. Think Crucial. Think Crucial. Think Crucial. Think Crucial. Okay. So Think Crucial. I mean, you know, you've got that machine rolling now. That's working. That's optimized. And then I think what what I'm hearing is you started to see all these problems with e-commerce and you decided to scratch your own itch and that's how you founded Skubana, right? Yeah, I mean, it's all about disruption and finding those problems and solving for them. So I was going through the struggle myself as a multi-channel seller, selling across all these different shopping carts, all these different marketplaces, just omni-channel uh, all around. And I couldn't find one software to run my business. I was like, wait, why do I need to use all these cobbled together softwares and I don't have real-time data? What's going on? So I went through a, fail, a couple of failed implementations of softwares and then tried to outsource to India. That didn't work. And then one of my buddies from college was playing tennis with a developer in Washington, D.C., and that's how actually I met my co-founder, DJ. Interesting. Yeah, you never know where you meet the, the best people, huh? It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's quite a story. You'll, well, tell us a little bit about, about that story. So he came up to my – so they met on the tennis court – he came up to my warehouse. So he, he arrives, like I, I, he took a bus and then took a taxi to my warehouse in Little Ferry, New Jersey. I don't know if you've ever been to Little Ferry, but nope. it, there's nothing special to see there. Uh, <laughs> and it's very industrial. And he was expecting, he was like, oh, you know, Chad's a top 500 Amazon seller. Like he was expecting, he heard Amazon, he was thinking like cranes and robots. And he walks in and it is a complete jungle in my warehouse. Like OSHA compliant violations everywhere, boxes up to like stacked 42 feet high, very narrow aisles. And he was just like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Like, what is this dump? Right. And I started, I took him through a tour and I, I was, I'm very, I was, I get very excited about it. I mean, I'm very, very proud about what we built, but obviously uh, the warehouse was not my core competency, but I showed him all the different softwares that I was trying to use. And he was like, okay, there's a real problem here. But then he went on to Google and he Googles multi-channel inventory management and he sees all these companies come up and he starts asking me about them. And I start just, I, I have all these recordings of demos that I've done or failed implementations. And he was just like, wow, okay, there's definitely a need that needs to be solved here. And then we partnered up and started working on this venture. Awesome. Amazing. And so how, so Scubana, I mean, how do you, e-commerce, you know, people go to your website, they buy, but how does Scubana make money? How do we make money? So we, we are a software as a service. 
We bill monthly. We have one-year agreements. We bill monthly. It's really around advanced sellers. So we make money around, we power operations of some of the largest Shopify merchants out there, mm. along with some of the largest Amazon merchants out there. Wonderful. Actually, we're going to have to talk about Shopify in a second. Yeah. Well, after the call. But um, I, I, and, and you're doing annual agreements. What do, what do annual kind of uh, contracts typically look like? Well, so our minimum pay-to-play on our software uh, is around $1,200 a month. Mm-hmm. Great. So typically, typically we're closing like eighteen thousand dollar contracts. Okay. Great. That's on av- on average, right? I mean, our pricing goes all the way up. That's our minimum pay to play, and it goes all the way up from, from there. But it's a fixed price. Right. And then, in terms of acquisition, customer acquisition for for Scubana, so I, I think we mentioned maybe before the call or maybe during the call that um, you do not do any paid advertising right now. Is that correct? Yeah. So we were talking about that earlier. So we so we're we're pretty. Bootstrap. So we raised eight hundred eighty thousand dollars about five years ago. Now, a seed round. The only notable, like really notable uh, institutional money that came in was Bam Ventures, which is the guy that started uh, LegalZoom, an honest company. Mm. So he came out. He came in with his own private money. Uh, we had one of the early employees of Amazon come in as well as an investor. Outside of that, like it was just friends and family. So we raised eight eighty, and we had to get from that five years ago to building a, a very large competitor to NetSuite, which is really what we built at this point, an operations platform that's massive. The scope has increased dramatically. It wasn't even a minimum viable product. It was a massive viable product. So we, I've just had to pound the pavement and do everything I possibly can to shout from rooftops to get the word out about what we built. Love it. Okay. And so it sounds like, I mean, you know, it could be like being on podcasts like 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 this one or being out there speaking like I saw you earlier this 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 year. What else is working? What do you think is the most effective thing I should ask you're doing in terms of customer acquisition today? I would say the best thing that we've done. So, well, you taught me a thing or two about backlinking and SEO, which I've actually deployed since we last spoke. And I'd love to talk to you about that. Yeah. But for me, it's really been podcasts, webinars, and really teaching, I would say out teaching the competition. So we've been building very, very different relationships. Like, so a lot of our clients whose websites are really beautiful and not our clients, excuse me, our competitors, their websites are really nice. They have all this funding, but they have vaporware. There's no software ba- like backing right. what they say on their website. For us, we say what we do and we do what we say. So like, I've been focusing on out-teaching competitors, having people learn from us, which is at, it creates a much different relationship with our customers and they become more of an audience, which is lends itself really well to our conference that we're having in October called Accelerate for very, very large advanced brands and retailers. Great. Yeah. And that's in New York, right? Yes. Very e-com focused. Perfect. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. I I completely agree with that. Actually, a webinar I did earlier this week was just completely about, you know, talking about how people rely on the hamster wheel of paid advertising when they aren't building a defensible moat where you can kind of just go back into and, you know, you're building an email list, you're building a much cheaper retargeting list, your your CPAs are going to be lower too. Um, It's just much better when you're you're out there speaking, for example, or you know, uh, building up your, your SEO and, and your, your content marketing. So I don't hear many people talking about that and it's rare and I really don't know why. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I think the easy thing is just to put money towards it and that, that solves everything. It's kind of like the healthcare industry where right? you just buy a drug and the pain goes away, but 
if you're solving for the wrong issue and it doesn't last, you know, it doesn't last nearly as long as trying to do it organically or quote unquote holistically. Right. So for me, I'm a, I'm just a huge belie- a believer in dropping value and building connections. And I would say most of the people on our platform, like know me or know of me or have heard of me or saw me speak yeah. webinar podcast. And they're like, okay, this guy is onto something. Let me go check out his software. Well, it's, it's, and I, th- I think about how we met initially. It's, um, you know, we, I think you were speaking with Noah maybe a year, Noah Kagan a year ago, a mutual friend of ours. And then, you know, we got on the phone, we talked a little bit, just, you know, randomly kind of, you know, shot the shit for a little bit. And then, you know, all of a sudden I, I didn't even expect to see you in, in Mexico and I see you there and we established a deeper relationship, but it's just like this long-term stuff that really starts to, to manifest. And like you mentioned earlier, I think people are always, they want the, the they want the quick hit. They want the quick hit. They don't think long-term. And I, I think that's a huge mistake. So anyway, how about, I mean, you know, it sounds like you're a very go, go, go person. I, I'm just interested in, in hearing about a huge struggle you faced maybe while growing Cubana or maybe, you know, the, the or Think Crucial. Yeah, uh, a lot of struggles. Let's see. I mean, with Think Crucial, there has been, I mean, it's been such a roller coaster, right? We, I had a warehouse, I had all these employees. I mean, even just even, Looking back, we had a warehouse in Harlem, and then we had a warehouse in Little Ferry. How many employees, by the way? We had about 30 people okay. at, at the prime. Uh, and these warehouse employees were very difficult to, to deal with. And one day, OSHA, OSHA, I had to fire like the manager who was colluding with the rest of the warehouse employees. like They were unionizing almost. Mm. That's how unions are formed. And um, I fired the warehouse manager, and he stole like my the key that goes up and down the aisles to pull stock. Mm. And he called OSHA saying that, oh, he stole the harness too. So he called OSHA saying that we didn't have a harness. We weren't properly equipped. They came in and shut down the operation immediately. Like no one can work except for me and my wife. Wow. So I had my wife and myself picking and packing thousands of orders in my warehouse. We can barely find anything. There was no SKUs or no numbers on anything. Uh, and I, my wife was like, okay, never again is this ever going to happen. We need to outsource the warehouse. And she's actually, it's funny, she's calling me right now. You need to get rid of this, you need to get rid of this warehouse immediately. And uh, I, I actually was like, okay, you know what? Got it. So we actually got rid of this guy that was like courting me, an outsourced warehouse. For a year, I finally signed the dotted line. I was so concerned that I was going to lose all my margin. And it was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> In a time of distress. Yeah, in a time of stress, and I was like, uh, you know, we're not going to make what we're making anymore. Like, I'm really concerned about it. And like I said earlier on the call, you never know, in hindsight, like what what that decision can make, and all the intangibles and all the fruit that you're going to bear from it. Like, I would never be able to be running two businesses if I had that warehouse still today. Impossible. Right. Wow, that's an incredible story. And I think there's a lot that people can learn from that. A, well, listen to your wife. Uh, <laughs> and be be resilient man and i think maybe you probably have i think from that that hiring kind of um the, the fact that that guy stole that stuff maybe you have more checks and balances in place when it comes around to, to hiring now right so we hire a little bit differently at scubana than we do at the e-commerce business because we're looking for remote employees a lot of mm-hmm. the employees on the e-commerce side are out, outsourced or offshore yeah not all of them are in the united states uh, at scubana since we're supporting such large companies and brands we have all account managers on hand in New York. All the developers go through like an assessment test. All the account managers go through an assessment test. We actually use that same assessment test, though. Sometimes we use that on Upwork, which is very interesting for some of these VAs, the virtual assistants. But yes, we're definitely hiring a different type of person in both, at both these companies. Yeah. 
You know what's interesting? I mean, I was kind of looking down on, on Upwork over the last couple of years because the quality has gotten so bad. But after actually, uh, ironically, in, in Mexico, one of the, the War Room guys says, you know, he, he finds his recruiters off of Upwork. And I, I literally did the same thing. And we've got one of our she's one of our, our, our best kind of recruiters that we have helping us right now. So, um, yeah, you know, never, uh, never discount something completely. Are you using that recruiter? Yeah, I got that that nugget at Warm too. Are you using that same recruiter to? Is it? Are you trying to fill positions in San Diego or is it for remote? Oh, so no, it's it's actually in office. Got it. Okay. Yep. But it's 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 not that bad. I mean, the guy that told us, you know, he was paying fifteen bucks an hour to to someone in in Colombia, but you know, I'm paying someone in Toronto, so it's a little more expensive. We're talking like thirty thirty five bucks an hour, but still not bad. That's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I, I guess kind of switching gears here, working towards wrapping up. I mean, in terms of tools, maybe maybe you've added like a like a bicycle last year, or maybe like Evernote, for example. What's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's really added a lot of value to your life? When you say life, like my business life or my personal life? Either could be like toilet paper. <laughs> well, I decided I wanted to take up a recreational hobby, and I really like music, so I started spinning. I bought a controller and started taking lessons on the weekend. So that's a tool that I bought for, for personal fun. Uh, I think it's a DDJ SB2. And I started taking these lessons at uh, some turntable turn table place in the city. Uh, and then I, I actually did my first gig not too long ago. I did a silent disco. That's amazing. And how long did it take you to actually get good? Well, I'm, uh, I wouldn't say good. I would say I did, I did well uh, for a first time gig. And it took me, I was taking lessons every weekend for six months private lessons and I love it. And I'm now I'm working towards my, like my next thing I'm going to do and with, with DJing and just, just for, again, it's all fun and it's just one way to just like unwind, yeah. spin up some music and like try to like match beats and then merge songs together and make mashups. That's like really, I was inspired by pitch perfect. Cool. Yeah. I've been fine. I've been trying to find a way to kind of escape from like working on, on, on the weekends. I think I might've found my escape, but it's good to see that other, other entrepreneurs are, are, are doing the same thing. What's your escape? Well, I used to play a lot of games competitively growing up, and uh, I, I just added uh, Fortnite to my computer, so the first-person shooter. Oh, great! So, uh, yeah, you know, I might start like start up a Twitch channel. So, those of you that actually want to see me play on Twitch, uh, just just tweet at me and, and you know let me know. But anyway, Chad. Also, I guess the final question I have on my side is, what is one must-read book you'd recommend to the audience? It cannot be the hard thing about hard things. No, it's not that. I just fit, there's so many great books. I just finished Shoe Dog. Oh yeah. Uh, it's a great book. It's a memoir by the founder of Nike or co-founder of Nike, mm-hmm. Phil Knight. Uh, amazing book. It's like entrepreneurial therapy. And I, I'm not usually into stories. I'm usually into like self-help books, but this book was awesome. Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible book for sure. Uh, and then right now I'm reading like a self-help book called Letting Go. <laughs> it's uh, it's de- my, my wife's a yogi. So it's more on like the spiritual side sort of tapping in and like surrendering to certain emotions or feelings that you have that may be like corrosive or could be getting in your way. Is letting go, I'm just looking at my audible right now. Is it by that billionaire? Um, oh, there's this one called the surrender experiment. I guess it's kind of the same thing, but who is letting go by David Hawkins, David Hawkins. Okay. So we'll, we'll drop that in the show notes. So we got, um, we got shoe dog and we got letting you said let go or letting go, letting go, right? It's called letting go. Yeah. Okay. Pathway of surrender. Great. I've also have a book, by the way, I'll give a shout out to my book, which is really like my blueprint of how I build my e-commerce business. Yeah. And it's cheaper, easier, direct. Of course, it's on Amazon. <laughs> how long has that book been out? Uh, maybe I want to say a year and a half. Great. 
Okay, we'll drop that in the show notes as well. And I'm working on my second book now, so. Yeah. What's the second book on? This is going to be really on how we're building a, a culture uh, through project management software and outsourcing productivity. It's still like very, very early. So there's, I probably have like six or seven chapters done, but it's all about how I'm, how I'm outsourcing, how am I finding my remote talent? Uh, what are some things I'm doing for like productivity hacks that I'm using? How am I like getting to a zero inbox and never having to check email again? All those different things of, of that I'm leveraging in my own life right now. Wonderful. Well, Chad, this has been fantastic. I'll be the first customer for, for that book, but what's the best way for people to find you online? Best way to find me, uh, LinkedIn, Chad Rubin. Email me, chad at stubana.com. You can find me on Instagram. It's Chad Rubin. And just give me a shout. All right, Chad, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.